Hey, Teresa, are you ready to talk about whiskey? We'll give it a shot. It's Schmanners! Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm well. Welcome back. Hey, thank you. I'm feeling great. Uh, I went and had a fun weekend with friends in Louisville. Um, we went, my friend lives there, and, you know, uh, the three of us, uh, Bradbury, Bob, and myself, tend to do, like, weekend events together and normally they've come to visit me here in Cincinnati and so we went to visit uh, Bradbury in Louisville and just had a real good old time I will see Louisville heck of a town Louisville 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 we'll lock it (laughs) now we had a great time we went and did a whole bunch of different things Um, we went and checked out a whole bunch of different cool spots and one of the things we did was we went to the Evan Williams Distillery, and Evan Williams does a speakeasy bourbon tasting where you go through, like, a door hidden behind a safe, and, like, inside the... It's really cool because, like, it's in the basement of the distillery, and they have it designed like a 1920s, 30s bar um, with, like, projections of, like, a 1920s, 30s party hanging in the back, and it's really, really immersive and cool, and the bartender walks you through the different kind of bourbons and what they are. And it's not just, uh, um, it's not just, uh, Evan Williams. There was also like some Elijah Craig bourbon in there and, uh, some other ones. And it, I just found it very interesting. Um, especially since Teresa and I, we went on our honeymoon to Scotland. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, we did, uh, scotch tasting or two, as well as going to some Scot- uh, Scotland scotch distilleries. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting how much alike and how, well, but where they are different between bourbon and whiskey and scotch and all of that stuff. And so we wanted to talk about it because I think that, uh, especially when you want to get past kind of base level understanding of especially, I think, whiskey and scotch. I don't think there's as much, and maybe I'm wrong, but connoisseurship in, like, vodka or, like, maybe in gin. But, like, I I always think of your scotches and your bourbons a lot closer to, like, wine and the way people talk about wine and the different notes. Yeah, the, yeah. people do tend to talk more about the, the smell and the earthiness and the the notes and the the burn and the smoothness and I will also like say that. I think it's just like my palate um or no I'm not gonna say oh <laughs> I just gave myself chills of how no I'm not gonna say palate <laughs> I'm gonna say my own taste and what I prefer um but I will say that like when it comes to wine I enjoy wine I mean I I enjoy wine quite a bit as and as I also enjoy beer but whiskey i seem to be able to actually differentiate between different types and what i enjoy and what parts of it i you know what mm. i mean like well and, I, uh, I by which i mean about, between different brands you it's know about I mean? the specificity that you can you can find in whiskey well uh, so I, i'm sure that there are people who would drink a glass of like cabernet sauvignon and say like i prefer this brand or this vintage or what i can't tell you i enjoy a glass of cabernet sauvignon you know what i mean and i might like one better than the other but i don't know why but with whiskeys okay. with whiskey with whiskey with whiskeys <laughs> i can say like well i like well i like how this is a little bit hot here and a little bit smoother here and i i oh i don't like it with all the smoky peatiness and you know like being able to tell the difference between right. them i actually can do that so i guess what i'm saying is i'm better than most well people. congratulations okay thank you <laughs> Let's start off, Teresa. Do you like bourbon? I do like bourbon. Do you Um, like whiskey? I also like whiskey. Do you like whiskey? (laughs) And do you like scotch? Um, I have to say that as as far as the scale goes, bourbon is what I like the best. Um, Whiskey, after that, uh, is something that I also can enjoy. And it is, it's a lot more 
it's a lot harder for me to find a scotch that I enjoy. Um, I have found some, but you mentioned earlier the smokiness, the peatiness, the, mm-hmm. the kind where scotch in general has more of that flavor profile because when I drink it, I smell like a campfire. Like my mm-hmm. mouth tastes mm-hmm. like a campfire. And that's not that's not my favorite. But bourbon, I really do like because I find that the oaky vanilla ness is a lot a lot gentler on me. So here's the thing. The last two minutes might have been very confusing for people who do not know. So before we get into too much history, a real quick breakdown. We'll go into this more in the questions. We're going to talk about the mechanics and stuff. But like when we say bourbon, scotch, whiskey without an E, whiskey with an E, or like Canadian whiskey, rye, any of that, right? It's all whiskey. All of those things are whiskey. What we're talking about is different types, so here in the U.S., we tend to spell whiskey with an E. Now, I was reading, interestingly, Maker's Mark does not because their process is closer to the scotch making process. Ah. So they stick with without an E, which is how scotch whiskey spells whiskey. And then Irish whiskey spells whiskey with an E because of the difference between Gaelic, like the Irish Gaelic and the Scottish Gaelic translations, hmm. but it's the same thing. So whiskey without an E and whiskey with an E, it's the same word, just spelled like how some uh, like UK spellings have an E at the end, where we in America do not, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so, but it's all kind of in the same immediate family. It's not even like a diff. like as I understand it, I get less knowledge when I get into other liquors, but like vodka plus herbs equals gin right and so gin is an offshoot of vodka whiskey whiskey bourbon scotch all of those all are basically different forms of the exact same thing hmm. and now that's not to say please do not tweet at me and say how dare you Don't scotch is me. much different than bourbon <laughs> no I complete, yes yes agree i'm saying that conceptually they all kind of share a lot of the similar qualities if there was a venn diagram yes of this, they would, they would be all, nigh overlapping. They would, they would be overlapping most certainly. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about history a little bit. Yeah. So um, the oldest family still going strong um, is the Samuels family, and they started their bourbon tradition in 1783. Um, but they didn't produce it commercially. Commercially, commercially, there it well, is. I promise you, we have not had any whiskey leading up to this. We are both stumbling over our weird words. It is one twelve in the afternoon. Oh, you know, life with toddler. Um, they didn't produce bourbon commercially until eighteen forty. So even though they began their whiskey ness in the seventeen hundreds, it was much later. Whiskeyosity. There it is. Yeah. Um, and. In the 1840s, that's when the grandson of Robert Samuels, who had their um, their original recipe, he constructed their distillery in Samuels Depot, Kentucky, um, that made it a business, right? And, well, this is one of the few whiskey distilleries that survived Prohibition, um, but they... Uh, they had to change it a little bit because Bill Samuels Sr. wanted to create a bourbon without bitterness from the original recipe. And so he made Maker's Mark. Oh. And just to be clear, once again, we are talking about uh, uh, bourbon distilleries because there are some scotch distilleries back in like the 1770s that are still in operation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but the first commercial distillery in Kentucky was the one that you visited this weekend, last weekend, was Evan Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that they, they told you all about their their distillery business. Well, yeah. So Teresa and I have actually been through the Evan Williams tour tour before. Yes. This is the speakeasy is much less about the history of the Evan Williams and much more about like. Let's drink some whiskey at 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm certain that they talked to you about Elijah Craig 
correct? Yes, correct. Um, in 1789, it is said that Elijah Craig invented bourbon by aging the popular corn whiskey um, in the barrels. Right? Yeah, so here's the thing that you may not know about whiskey, right? When you distill whiskey in its original form, it is completely clear. Mm-hmm. And it gains a, its color and a lot of its flavor from the wood of the barrels in which it is aged. So actually, very interesting. This is one of my favorite things to see in whiskey barrels. Uh, well, I'll explain why in a second, but only scotch barrels or non-bourbon whiskeys. Is you can actually see if you take one of the barrel staves, one of the boards in the barrel, and look at it from the side, you can see a line as the whiskey absorbs into it where the line gets deeper and deeper in the wood until eventually it is outside of the wood, right? At which point you can't use that barrel anymore because the whiskeys that you have aged in it have absorbed out the flavors and colors that they're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And the first... uh, I'm a bit of a whiskey nerd, so this I actually kind of just (laughs) know off the top of my head. But the first barrels that they used were just like raw wood barrels, right? So you actually got a very light tan... Mm-hmm. out of it and then i don't know if you were leading i don't want to undercut the rest of your story but then that changed dot 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 well he probably just wasn't the first person in fact it was probably like an ever-evolving regional process he's just credited mm-hmm. with the idea of the aging in the barrels good crea- pr right yeah. yeah creating the the dark color that we well, know today i and this might be anecdotal this might be uh not hypocritical what's a apocryphal but i think the apocryphal story is so when they were uh distilling it up here in i mean the north like you know uh your pennsylvania mm-hmm. you know i think there was some coming from maine right and you know kentucky they would then send the barrels down the ohio or down whatever to the mississippi and they would go on these like flat boats that didn't have motors, you know, you're just kind of steering them and you're going with the current. And sometimes it could take months before it would reach like New Orleans, right? And so in those months, this clear whiskey would sit in these barrels for months. And when they got down there, they'd open up these barrels and realize like this tastes much better than it did when we started back up there four months ago and so they would kind of realize that just from sitting in the barrels it made it better and that's where they kind of supposedly i don't know if that's true or not but that is the supposed story and then apparently the story then is like where did this come from it tastes delicious and like it came or no sorry so that was just whiskey i'll get to the other apocryphal story here in a second so I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you well, with knowledge I know. <laughs> that, that is one of the kind of origin tales, right? And, and there's a, an addition to that being that um, when these boats were taken down the river, um, they were delivered on Bourbon Street, right? And so people started asking for that Bourbon Street whiskey Mm -hmm. or that bourbon whiskey and the name bourbon itself comes from the french bourbon dynasty bourbon right king louis and all that stuff um and because of that i mean that's like the french quarter they've named it after there so there's uh, it all kind of like ties in together ties in together but there's no way to know exactly when and why and how all of these things just kind of factor in in the way that like the way that you braid a rope or right. whatever because if you ask people in kentucky they will tell you it's called bourbon because it came from bourbon county kentucky and at the time bourbon county kentucky was much bigger and encompassed like louisville and places like that but is it called bourbon county because of bourbon or bourbon it's all but is right. it called bourbon because of bourbon county or bourbon street who knows no one knows no one knows um uh, but at some point, so this is another apocryphal story, but supposedly they were sending it down in these like raw wood barrels, right? Okay. And then supposedly, this is an apocryphal story that I very much like. Elijah mm-hmm. Craig wanted to reuse some barrels and he had like a pickle barrel in some versions of the story. And he's like, well, I got to dry this out. 
gotta get some of this uh, pickle residue out of here. So they took, like, basically fire to it, right, to try to dry it out and get this leftover residue. And then they would send it down in these charred wood barrels. And the charred wood gave it an even deeper, richer taste and richer color. And so then after that, everyone started charring the inside of their barrels before they would use them. Another strand in our beautiful rope yes. of, of the origin story of, of bourbon whiskey. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit to uh, 1794, where uh, you mentioned that uh, farmers who lived in Pennsylvania were making whiskey. Um, and this was the rebellion of oh, those the whi- farmers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The rebellion of those farmers because of the the whiskey excise tax. Um, I mean, there really wasn't any kind of conflict or whatever. President Washington dispatched um, thirteen thousand militia to deal with the rebels, but like they were <laughs> severely like, okay. outnumbered. They're cool, like, cool. okay, we're done. <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs> whatever you say. Um, and so this then encouraged people to move their distilleries or begin distilleries in Kentucky and Tennessee because those states at the time weren't under federal jurisdiction. Because mm, they were like commonwealths and stuff? I suppose. Or they, I mean, they weren't yeah, they weren't within President Washington's jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, so then, I think that, that it's all right to move up a century or so. Yeah. Let's go to 1821 which is when we have found uh, evidence of the first advertising of bourbon. Ooh. Uh, It was printed in the Western Citizen newspaper in Paris, Kentucky in 1821. Um, So that is where we find the, the stories, the origin stories kind of blur, right? Because if it was being called old bourbon whiskey or bourbon whiskey, why wasn't it? Why isn't there any kind of, you know, evidence of that naming until 1821? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, And then throughout the 1820s, there was uh, new methods using sour mash, which is like the, uh, so you take the mash that you've made and you take a little out to ferment, kind of like you would do like a sourdough starter. Mm -hmm. You take a little out and you add that to the next batch, right? right? So you're using that flavor you've developed already to help seed for the next batch of flavored goodness. And that kind of thing is really how you start to get like repeatable like brands and certain distillers being like, this is how this tastes, right? You get that recipe, right. but you also get that like continued kind of, uh, like you said, like a sourdough starter, right? Of like, right. this is the, how this one tastes. Let's jump forward a little bit more. Can we jump to like the early 1900s? You know what I mean? When we get sure. into so, like, like prohibition. Prohibition, certainly. Oh, wait, there is one thing I wanted to talk about pre-prohibition. Okay. That I learned about this week. Um, is that so for a long time, right? We talk about distilling these um, these liquors, right? It was distilling whiskey and it being clear, right? Mm-hmm. So for a long time, there was no regulation on this. So what people would do rather than age it in barrels for months or years or whatever, they would make really cheap, bad whiskey, have it clear and add stuff to it. To make it taste better and look darker. And when I say stuff to it, it ain't good stuff. Uh It is bad stuff. So, like, could range anywhere from, like, you know, uh, like, shoe polish or, like, herbs or whatever to, like, tobacco spit from a spittoon to make it darker or, like, chemicals or anything. So, like, when you would get your whiskey, you'd have no idea what would be in it. And some of it was very poisonous. And so there came a, I think it was a federal law of being bottled and bonded. Mm. So that meant on each thing it said who bottled it, where it came from, how it was made. And then they would go into bonded warehouses to age with, like, federal guards and everything, so you knew no one was getting in there and like messing with it, and wow. so it would come out and be bottled and bonded. So kind of like an insurance policy for your business. Yeah, very much so. So like, if you wanted to sell whiskey and be bottled and bonded, you had to like label your stuff 
and it had to age in a bonded warehouse mm -hmm. so the government could guarantee that that actually was the whiskey that had sat in those barrels for four years or three years or whatever and that you were selling that to people. Cool. Um, well, once... Uh, once we go into Prohibition, there were really only a few whiskey distilleries that survived. Um, thing, things like um, Old Fitzgerald, Cabin Still, and Rebel Yell um, were available because they had one of the, the few licenses. Um, because during Prohibition, if we haven't talked about it before... There were still licenses to sell, especially for like medical reasons. And so everybody didn't shut down so much as it just constricted a lot. Right. Uh, the government only issued 10 licenses across the whole country to produce whiskey for medicine. Um, and only six of those were ever activated. Um, and one of those companies was Brown Foreman, which now produces Woodford Reserve. Oh. Um, so way up uh, closer to nowadays, in 1964, whisk an act of Congress declared bourbon as America's native spirit. We did it. We did it. Um, but that didn't la like the glory days <laughs> were already over, <laughs> it seems, because by 1973, um, more vodka was sold in the U.S. than whiskey. Mm. Well, see this. Okay. We are going to take a break here in a second. Uh, no, let's take a break. And okay. then I'll share my thoughts. We have a lot. Listen, we got a lot to tell you about tastings and all of that stuff. But first, here's a note to our sponsors. This week, uh, uh, Schmanners is sponsored in part by Harry's. Harry, listen. Some people shave. I, I don't. But I, but you know, some people do. I get it. Faces, legs, wherever. Occasionally, I do. Yeah. Okay. If you want to, <laughs> define. And here's the thing: I will remember from my shaving days, long past. It was so hard. Like, here's the thing: is when I, when I actually thought about it, I would end up with these like rusted out, gross, or like I go to the, you know, the, the like convenience store go to the uh, what's the word I'm looking for the drugstore and have to wait to find somebody who would unlock the thing for me and then I would get these like either like, super expensive or really cheap badly made blades not with Harry's yeah there didn't seem to be any kind of middle ground where you could get a good razor for less expensive but not with Harry's because Harry's has come along they've revolutionized the game you don't gotta wait to like for someone to unlock something and you can order it and it's there, it's cool, but it's not gonna break the bank. Highly recommend. So you can get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, travel blade cover. It's incredible. That's such a good deal. And let me tell you, it comes in a really cool set and looks really cool. And, like, if someone ever watches these shades, they'll be like, where did you get that? So listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash schmanners. So go to harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash schmanners, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you to help support the show. Go check it out. Our show is also sponsored in part by Skylar. Um who offers consciously crafted fragrances. So here's the deal. They have four scents, arrow, coral, isle, and meadow, and all of them are cruelty-free and vegan. So what you do is you get the sample palette, and it lets you experience all the four scents without committing so that you can go onto Skylar's website and do like a fun little quiz to find out what might work for you. Um, these are risk-free, and they have a happiness guarantee and free returns within 30 days. I got my sample kit. It's very lovely. It's beautifully packaged. I'm very excited to kind of mix and match and figure out what I like. Um, and you can do this, too, for a limited time. You can try this sample palette with free shipping. Plus, you can earn a $20 credit towards a full-size perfume visit purchase. If you visit Skylar, that's S-K-Y-L-A-R dot com slash Schmanners. 
Now I know what you're thinking. I'm no nerd. I wouldn't listen to a Star Trek podcast. If you're listening to any podcast, you're a nerd. Just admit it. We're all in the school's band practice room having our lunch together away from the rest of the school. <laughs> yeah. And we're here to tell you about our Star Trek podcast. Yeah. And uh, even if you don't even like Star Trek that much, but you are a nerd, which admit it, you are, you will like this show. You shouldn't be too ashamed to subscribe and download The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I'm James, the co-host of Minority Corner. And look at that! I'm Aneke, the other co-host of Minority Corner. Girl, guess what? What? We just hit our 100th episode! What? And what do you think is going to be in store for the next 100? Probably some more feuds with Jennifer Hudson. And I'm telling you, I'm We'll probably do more investigative reporting, too, like we did with the Kodak and their racist film. Not to mention exposing the truth, like how we did with the ugly history of the Texas Rangers. But we always lighten the mood with a splash of pop culture. Olivia Pope's new wig, have you seen that? It's popping. Just like your lip gloss. And Janet Jackson. And you know we like to put our nerd glasses on and talk about things like Marvel. It's true. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't speak about DC. (laughs) But you just did. What? All from a perspective that's black, queer, and ladylike. So come on over and learn, laugh, and play, and join the corner. It's a lot of fun. I'm having fun right now. (laughs) (laughs) Minority Corner. Okay, so here's the thing. It does not surprise me that vodka outpaced whiskey. And here is why. Okay. As far as mixing goes, while there are things you can mix bourbon and whiskey or whatever with and have it be fine, vodka mixes way better with more stuff, you know, and it's way simpler. So, for example, you can make like a Manhattan or an Old Fashioned and it's really good. Two of my favorite cocktails. Mm-hmm. But it takes a little skill to make a really good like Old Fashioned or a really good Manhattan, right? You can do a screwdriver with orange juice and vodka. I know kids in college. I didn't do this, of course, because I was responsible. But kids who just <laughs> mix, like, Hawaiian punch and vodka. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're trying to get messed up fast, I can see why vodka would be a chosen. That said, I think one of the things that I really like the most about whiskey, and I'm going to sound like a stomp here for a second, but we're doing a manners podcast, so you have to forgive me, <laughs> is that I think, I, I think for me, whiskey is really an experience, right? It is one of those things where it, it right up there, I think, with like wine tasting, right? Of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I find like I I I can't really compare it to much else except like doing, I don't know, maybe like a chocolate tasting or something. Sure, sure. Where it's like, okay, cool. There's something about like sitting with a glass of scotch that feels like a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the same way that a martini, I think a good martini is basically a big glass of gin, <laughs> and that feels like a thing. There's something about it. But I also see where it is not... It Okay, I've got it. All right, I'm ready. I would say that whiskey is to steak as vodka is to hamburger, and that is not in quality. I mean in speed, right? Okay. So, like, you could drink vodka... It is much smoother. There's much less bite and, like, heat to it. So you can just drink it quickly if you're trying to, you know, party. Whereas whiskey is a sipping thing. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that you really take your time with. And it's something you unwind with. And so one glass of that, maybe a day at most, you're not going through a bottle of that quickly. You know right. what I mean? You're not flying through a bottle of whiskey. Or you shouldn't be. And here's the other thing I will say. I think also whiskey, uh, at least as far as like bourbon, American, U.S. whiskey, is like when you talk about your like Jack Daniels, your Jim Beam, your Evan Williams, um, the stuff that you would think of as like common whiskey, I still think it's really good. Um, Here's the difference. So here's some things, some terminology to understand when you're looking at whiskey. Okay. So... Most whiskeys, right? Most, when we think of like common brand names, they distill it, they age it, they pour it all into all of the, like from a, that, that aging back into a big vat and dispense it, right? Right. So what you get is a really even, like 
uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Repeated flavor, right? Right. Each bottle is a blend of that entire aging, right? Unless... So you get so if you get small batch, right? Small batch is they take only a couple barrels from that aging, dump them together and get a bottle. So you still get a blend of like six bottles, right? But that way, small batch is more common unless you get single barrel and single barrel is the bottle is from one barrel. So with single barrel. It's less consistency across the flavors, right? But you get a more unique flavor mm-hmm. in basically every bottle you get. Now, let me uh, throw some legalese in there. Small ca- small batch is not a legal term. It's not recognized. Um, and so small, quote unquote, can mean any number yes. of, of barrels. Um, there's no like... Five. There's no like number that that anybody polices. Um, so sometimes, if you don't know exactly where your whiskey is coming from, it's more of a marketing term yes. than it is a, a a way to discern how much something, how well something's going to suit your taste. So most of the time, if you see blended, blended is all of them dumped together, right? right. Um, so if you see blended. And listen, that's not bad. A lot of times I think people will see blended and think like, oh, this is a mix of different stuff. No, it just means that it's like that distilling, right? Because here's the thing. When they distill it, they distill it in this huge batch, then separate it into smaller barrels to age. And then for blended, they just put, put those it back barrels together. <laughs> back together. So it, it is just that if they blend it, if they aged it in one huge barrel, it wouldn't get like... It would be more stuff without increasing the surface area of the barrel exponentially. So they have to break it into smaller containers. So blended just means it's all put back together. But it is not a commentary on the value. Um, So this question I want to talk about. So this question is from Valvert Text. Uh, Is there a good reason to just down a shot of good whiskey without tasting it? No. (laughs) My answer um, but I also think that I'm of the opinion because I, I do enjoy whiskey very much. So there is no wrong way to drink whiskey. That said, there are whiskeys that are like $400 bottles, $500. I saw a whiskey uh, while we were in Louisville that was like an $1,800 bottle. Ooh. You should not drink that like a shot. Um, I think that when you're looking at it there's not a lot to it i i prefer to sip if you here's the one time it, i think it would be good because later on let's see we got the question um uh this is from lou what do you do when you're at a distillery for tasting and you don't like the whiskey for whatever reason there i would say is a good reason to down a shot um but i'll get more into that question in a second um let's see you can also not finish it. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say. So we'll get to Okay, so Lou, to answer it, you cannot finish it, and you can also add some water to it, and we'll get to that in a second, too. This question from Jordan. Whiskey, scotch, bourbon. How are they different? Why do they all exist? So, scotch is whiskey made in Scotland. This is from a Mental Floss uh, article, if you want to search and find it. Scotch is whiskey made in Scotland, while bourbon is whiskey made in the USA, generally Kentucky. Scotch is made from malted barley, while bourbon is distilled from corn. Um, For a whiskey to call itself bourbon, its mash, the mixture of grains from which the product is distilled, must contain at least 51% corn. The rest of it is usually barley or rye or wheat. The mash must be stilled at 160 proof or less, put into the barrel at 125 proof or less, and it must not contain any additives. The distillate must be aged in a new charred oak barrel, um, most often, these barrels are white oak, but they can be any variety of oak. Real quick, bourbon can only be distilled in a charred barrel once. So right. once that barrel is used, it can't be used for bourbon again. So actually, a lot of the barrels that they uh, will age scotch in are barrels from the U.S. sent over there and used to age scotch in. Um. There's a couple reasons for that. Some people say flavor. My theory is that it's for like uh, barrel maker unions. It's not important. (laughs) Uh, And over here, uh, so on this side of the pond, 
this is back to the article. This side of the pond, we have our own local flavor too. The difference between Tennessee whiskey, like Jack Daniels, for example, and bourbon is that after the spirit is distilled, Tennessee whiskey is filtered through sugar maple charcoal. Charcoal. This filtering, known as the Lincoln County process, is what distinguishes Tennessee whiskey from your average bourbon like Jim Beam. The name bourbon comes... Uh, old bourbon, blah, blah, blah. That's less. But, so, there are distinctions, right? But most of the time, you can break it down to, if it says bourbon, it's made in Kentucky, most likely. If it says just whiskey... Made from corn. Made from corn. Mostly. And then if it says scotch, it's made in Scotland. If it's Irish whiskey, it's made in Ireland. And if it's American whiskey, it's usually not corn and not made in the bourbon area. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look for other ones I can break down of. Uh, About rye. Oh, so rye is made from uh, rye as the as the malt, as the grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it usually is a lot like spicy. Probably makes you think the wrong t- thing, but like heat right right so it's kind of the whiskey that burns a little bit more is like a rye whiskey um there's a one i think it's made in maybe columbus that has like pumpernickel rye and it's really good and dark but it burns um also so we talk about proof right so when we talk about proof that's alcohol content and so if you see something that's like a hundred let's if it says a hundred proof that's 50 percent alcohol it's doubled for whatever reason. 90 proof, 45, that kind of thing. And so when it goes into the barrel, so when they distill it, they then water it down to 125 and put it in the barrel. Then when they get it out of the barrel, they water it down again, usually to 90 proof, 45, right? So most whiskeys are 45% alcohol by volume. If you see something that is barrel strength, it means it's usually like 120 proof or 60% alcohol by volume. So it is usually stronger and usually has a little bit more burn to it. Um, so barrel proof, if you see something that's like single barrel, barrel proof or whatever, that usually is going to be a fairly expensive whiskey. Um, and like usually the longer something is aged. Also, when we talk about aging, aging only counts as aging in the barrel. Right. So once it hits the bottle, it's done. It doesn't continue on. So you can buy, you know, a six-year-aged thing and keep it for 10 years. It is not a 16-year-aged thing. Yeah, it's not going to get... It's not going to change from uh, once it leaves the barrel. Correct. So most of the time, if you're looking at, like, expensive versus less expensive, older-aged stuff, single-barrel and barrel-proof are usually indications that something is going to be a more expensive whiskey. Um, so that is something to look at if you're looking at like a b- listing or something in a menu or in a bar that doesn't have prices on it. If you see any of those words, you're probably looking at a more expensive whiskey. Um, oh, did you answer several questions in that explanation? I think I did. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> um, so let me see. I'm just trying to think of other things to tell people about whiskey. So when you do okay here's another one so excuse me when you do a tasting they will usually give you like a little thing of water usually like an eyedropper of water or a little pitcher of water or something like that the reason is twofold one to water down a whiskey a little bit because like i said that barrel proof Mm -hmm. is strong and sometimes it's even stronger than 120 so a little bit of water can make that a little bit easier to consume if you want to lessen that burn a little bit. Also, a little bit of water will really open up a lot of the flavor and oils in in the whiskey. My suggestion, take a taste of it, no water, then add water to get the full both. And usually if you're just going for like the opening up, one or two drops is all you need. It's just enough to kind of break up the oils. So here's the process you should do. Hello, welcome to the whiskey tasting episode. <laughs> you want to, usually you'll come in these kind of like, shaped almost like an oil lantern, right? Where it's narrower at the top and mm-hmm. then widens at the base and the whiskey's in the bottom. So that is so that it has more surface area to evaporate, but is then funneled to the top so you can smell it better. Right. And so you want to swirl it a little bit and smell. Another tip that we picked up when we were in Scotland, if you want to taste, or if you want to smell 
uh, less alcohol and more of the flavors. Alcohol evaporates very quickly. So if you get a little bit like on your pinky finger and like rub it on your skin, the a- alcohol evaporates quickly and what's left is the flavor. So you can smell um, less alcohol and more of the actual like smell of it. Which ends up being kind of like you can smell where it's like uh, fresh cut grass. Yeah, or like corn, or hay, corn, that kind of stuff. Or if they've added some kind of spices to it afterwards, that's where like infusions, that's yeah. where you would smell that addition. And so then taste a little bit. Right, but here's the other thing. This is, I'll go even deeper here. That's the process. If you have someone presenting it to you, wait until they are done explaining the whiskey to try it. Because that's what you're there for, right? Is to get the, they will say like, and you might notice this, or here are some notes, right? And if you've already finished your your taste before they are done explaining it, you're not really getting the full experience. So pay attention to the person who is giving instructions then taste it and look for the things that they described. And as Teresa said, if you don't like it, don't you don't have to finish it, right? Um, uh, I mean, we discussed this in the wine tasting episode. Um, it's it's perfectly fine to take a little taste and decide that you don't want any more. Correct. You don't have to like no especially one especially if like you don't want to get drunk, you yeah. know. Like uh, no I one is that. going to begrudge you if you if you do that. Um, let's see some other things to know. Okay, so somebody asked about. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, the Belly Boy asked about whiskey stones versus ice versus water. So it, it it's kind of once again, as you said, like a Venn diagram, right? So if you imagine these as three circles, they overlap in a line. So whiskey stones and ice will both cool the drink. One of the plus signs is whiskey stones tend to not, uh, when we're talking about actual stones, some of the metal ones get a lot colder, but the actual stones tend to not actually chill the whiskey too much. Below 45 degrees Fahrenheit, you lose a lot of flavor. Right, because the, because it cools your tongue. Right, and, 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 you and know, then you it's, don't... It's just colder. <laughs> you don't taste as much. Um, and so whiskey stones tend to not chill it too much, but still chill it a little bit because as we said like whiskey tends to burn a little bit and have that fire feeling in your throat right so that kind of combination of cool and fire is i think really great so i enjoy that um but what it doesn't do is water down your drink at all where ice will chill it and water it down and i say water down but i what i mean is like that little bit so what most places and i believe in I'm sorry, I'm not finishing my sentence. I'm getting right. so excited. Did you get my... <laughs> I threw some daggers in my eyes across the No, table you to... <laughs> gently guided with your hands. So what a lot of places do and what you can find now is like these molds for big, giant, single ice cubes. So like a big sphere or a big cube rather than a bunch. So once again, we're talking about surface tension. Less and surface surfant- area. Yeah, thank you, surface area. Less surface area means it melts slower. So that means it will chill the drink without like diffu- without um, diluting, diluting it. it too much. And it also means a more interesting, very, so you start with a whiskey that tastes one way and end with a whiskey that tastes a different way, which I thoroughly enjoy. The other downside. That's why I also have mine on the rocks too, is because at, at first I may enjoy the the fire and the flavor and then as the as I drink the drink as I wind down the evening I want less of that and more of just the experience of the drink. I will also say if you find yourself not good at sipping and savoring a drink, having it on the rocks tends to you can as the ice melts it's refilling your drink a little bit, right? So if you're trying to slow down your drinking a little bit, I highly recommend on the rocks. The other downside of whiskey stones is they have to be washed every time you use them and they have to be rechilled. So like unless you buy a bunch of them, you're not going to have like a hundred whiskey stones for a party or mm-hmm. whatever. You know what I mean? Or so, maybe you are. Maybe you are. So water, as we talked about, water doesn't chill so much as it does the diluting, right? And so that will A, give you that different flavor profile and B, 
water down a whiskey that's a little too strong or it has too much burn for you, that kind of thing. So that's kind of what each one does. And like you said, one or two drops of water makes a difference. Yes, it really, really does. Um, One other thing, and nobody asked about this, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit about scotch so that we don't let down our scotch friends. Um, So I love scotch. And the kind of big defining factor for me when it comes to scotch is, is it smoky or not? As is, as, as is my defining factor. Right. Uh, and where it is smoky, I do not. Yes. And so a lot of the time, with the smoky uh, is often referred to like peaty or peated. And it's because it comes from like peat smoke. It really is from like burning peat, which is like uh, wood, bog, moss stuff. I don't know what it is, but it's well, like okay, old so wood. Peat is a compressed uh, brick made from a peat bog, which the peat is moss and um, other things that have gotten into the moss and uh, the grass and the water and and all of the things that would be in this selection of almost turf. Right. Right, Right, exactly. So when we talk about different kinds of scotch, they come from five different regions of Scotland, at least according to the uh, Gentleman's Gazette.com. <laughs> um, the Highlands, which is kind of a medium-bodied scotch and includes uh, Dalwini, uh, Glen Marenghi, uh, those. Um, and then there's the Lowlands, which is the lighter and most delicate whiskey and would include Glen Kin... Glen Kinky, it's a lot of words I can't. Um, Ochtenstan and Bladnock. I bet they're all delicious. Now, Speyside is my favorite. So, yes. Speyside is our kind of go to. Um, it also includes the most distilleries in the country right now. And it's like the Val- Balvenie, um, Craigenmore, uh, Glenfiddich, Glenlivet, Glen Murray, McAllen. Like, so it's, a, a, from my point of view, smoother, easier drink, more more delicious, less burn. Um, there is also Campbelltown. Um, I don't recognize these, but it only has three active um, distilleries, Glen Scotia, Glen Guile, and Springbank. And then Islay, and Islay is like the heavy peated one. So uh, Lagavulin. Lafroig, uh, Ardbeg, but like L- Lagavulin and Lafroig are the two I always think about. I might be pronouncing Lafroig wrong, but you know what I mean. So if you are looking for a non-smoky kind of smoother one, you're looking for a space side. And if you want like a heavy peat experience, you're looking for an Islay. And then I would say kind of between those is like the Highlands and the Lowlands area. Um... Yeah, so let me see. Are there any more questions that I want to hit? Um, so the thing to keep in mind when you go to a tasting is that you are not going to a tasting. This is just like a wine tasting. Right. The intention is not to get drunk. That said, that's not to say like it's a somber, you know, uptight occasion, but like savored. And I think in general, my advice is whether you're talking about bourbon, whiskey, scotch, or really any alcohol... It's to be savored and enjoyed, right? And, like, so there are times, don't get me wrong, I was at a place um, Friday night where we did a shot of bourbon. It was a terrible idea. I'm very (laughs) old and shouldn't do it. But, like, it's not that you can't do it and it's not a good idea. I do recall receiving a text that said, oh, no, this was a bad idea. Oh, no. Um it was. It was a terrible idea. But that's not to say that younger, more robust people couldn't do it. Um, but that said, like, I really think... And listen, I will say, when I first started drinking whiskey, I started with Jack Daniels, which I still think is a fine whiskey. Um, but, like, I, I think that one of my favorite things about whiskey is I appreciate it on pretty much everything but, like, lowest shelf, like stuff that's called like you know i don't know empty midnight or something <laughs> old midnight kind of stuff you I, know, I, like, I don't recognize that brand. no but like mostly like i enjoy it in different forms you know and and i think that whiskey takes a little bit getting into and a little bit of like learning about it because i will say i didn't think i liked scotch 
until we went to Scotland, Scotland and we tried all the different kinds. And it really was like, oh, I like this. Here's the thing. Looking at like beer, right? A lot of people know they like a lager or know they like IPA or know they like a Hefeweizen, right? And they're fine not liking the IPA or they're fine not liking the brown ale or the stout or whatever. And they still will say they like beer. To me, I think whiskey and scotch and uh, all of them kind of fall in the same thing. Is if you've had one whiskey once before and said, oh, I don't like whiskey. Well, I mean, it really means you've just had one whiskey. Yeah. Let me suggest that perhaps if you are interested in trying more, you should, because like. There's so many different types of whiskeys, not just like different, you know, scotch whiskey, that kind of thing. But also even within that, different brands have completely different flavor profiles. And so if it's something you're interested in, I highly recommend going to a tasting and letting someone tell you like what is good about the different things and be like, you know what? I do like that. I, I You know what? I do like that thing. And then taking that knowledge and expanding on the stuff you know you like from it. Um, so hopefully that's been helpful and educational. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week. <laughs> um, I just feel like I just did a weird Mr. Rogers neighborhood where it was Mr. Rogers teaching people about whiskey. Um, <laughs> that would be weird. So thank you all for joining us. Um, go check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. Uh, if you have any ideas for episodes, we are going to start trying to record earlier and try to get the episodes recorded by, like, Friday. So keep an eye out, like, Thursdays now for our episode topics to go up and the, the calls for questions and stuff because we're going to try to make sure we're a little bit more consistent with the release dates. Um, we're turning over a new leaf. Yay! Here we are. It's the middle of the year. We're trying to better ourselves. We're going we're gonna to do this. <laughs> we're going to do it there's, right. There's no time like the present. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. You can email us, SchmannersCast at gmail.com. Especially if you have any ideas for topics for episodes, please let us know. Um, let's see. Teresa, what else? What do we normally say? Well, we always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are sold. We also thank Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. And we thank Keely Weiss Photography for our uh, Facebook banner for our fan-run Facebook group, which you can join. Just search Schmanners Fanners and uh, take a look at that group. It's a fun place to go if you want a little Schmannerly advice. And I think that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.